Hey, thanks for tuning in into the City Life Church podcast. We are a church in San Francisco, and we exist so that people that are far from God will encounter His presence and experience the life that only Christ offers. We pray that this word will challenge you and encourage you in your walk of faith with Jesus. But just a quick recap from last week. Last week, we're talking about, first of all, Jesus is the one who extended the invitation saying, hey, follow me. As we follow him, then he will make us. He will make us fishers of men, is what he told some of his disciples. The apostle Paul, last week, we explored through scripture that he was a great dude, very religious. He knew the quote-unquote Bible inside out. He was following all the rules, but he didn't know Theo himself. That, That means God. He knew about God. He knew about all the rules and regulations, but he didn't understand who Jesus was. Jesus was the fulfillment of all those prophecies that had been declared in the Old Testament. But Paul didn't know this. And we explored his journey and how he, like, he was following the letter of the law, but he missed the main, the main entree, so to speak. And on his, on his journey to persecute Christians, the Bible says that he was on the road to Damascus. As he was approaching Damascus, all of a sudden, bam, this light shined brightly, and he, he fell to the ground, and Jesus revealed himself to Paul. At that point, he was being used, they were using the, his Jewish name, which was Saul. But he has an encounter with Jesus, who then... Uh, his friends, Jesus says, hey, go into Damascus, and I'm going to sh- show you what to do there next. His friends take him to that Airbnb on that main straight avenue. And uh, there, God speaks to a man by the name of Ananias, who comes and lays hands on him. And he gets radically healed from his blindness and filled with the Holy Spirit. Then it says that he hung out with the, d- the, the disciples in Damascus. That's what we would call a life group. And he hung out with them, and they loved on him. They accepted, accepted him, though he had come to persecute them. The very people that he came to hate on were the ones that loved on him. Come on, somebody. That's what the church should be like. Amen? He started preaching, and after a few years, he would go back to Jerusalem. And uh, there, there was a man by the name of Barnabas, which means the encourager of the brethren. He kind of brought him under his wing, and he began to mentor him. And then it wasn't until like 14, maybe 17 years later that he was then launched out to be a great apostle, to plant many churches. So you see this trajectory in his life. But what he had said to a couple different uh, churches, he said this. He says, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. He realized that life was a journey and that we're all growing. We're all becoming more and more like Jesus. And we haven't reached everything. He himself says, not that I've attained all those things, but forgetting what is behind, all my education, all my religious experiences, I set those things aside and I press forward towards that which God has for me, Christ Jesus. I'm becoming more and more like Jesus. So he's saying, fellas, folks, people, follow me as I follow Christ. Whatever you've seen in me or heard from me, whatever things were good in me, put those things into practice. And keep growing in your faith. So he's saying, follow me. And the invitation continues to find us today. We follow his example through scripture as he's pursuing Jesus. Now Paul obviously is in heaven. But as he was setting the tone for all of us, we follow that example. But ultimately, we're following Jesus. Amen, somebody? That's kind of the brief recap. The big idea for last week was this. Following Jesus requires following the ones that he sends to help lead the way. God will send different people our way to help us. It's not just a pastor. Come on, somebody. I'm happy to help and do my best, but man, you know, there's a whole squad, a whole family, a whole community that God will use to help you take your next steps to grow in your faith. We need one another. 
I can only do so much. Pastor Keys can only do so much. Pastor Elena, our team, we can only do so much, but together we keep helping one another. And I love even this example of the sequence of how Paul would grow in his faith. First, God would use this man by the name of Ananias, who was just a, a good man. The, his name means Jehovah has graciously given. So God had graciously given this man to help Paul take his first baby steps, his fresh start. And for the first few hours, first few days, it was this Ananias guy who, who, who explained what this Jesus walk was all about. And then the next step would then be him be a part of this small group, this life group of disciples. The Bible doesn't even mention them by name. But their group was dope. Their group was amazing, and they loved on him, and they helped him. And he then immediately started doing God Squad stuff. That means he started serving. He would go to the synagogue and start preaching. So you see here, he's taking these baby steps. There's one guy helping him, and then a little team, a crew. And next thing you know, he's already serving on team. And in time, eventually, he would get to this place where now he would have a personal mentor that would walk with him. And Barnabas was a man of compassion and patience. I think that's such a biblical example for us. That's what we're trying to emulate here at City Life Church, where when you give your life to Jesus and you're saying, God, I surrender fully to you, I don't even know how to pray. Do I pray to Jesus? Do I pray to God? Do I pray to the Holy Spirit? Who, how do I start? Well, when you actually make the decision, our connections team then will help you take your fresh start steps, meaning that someone will be assigned to you as your personal trainer. Like if you went to the gym, and you needed a personal trainer to help you, one of our team members will actually help you take your baby steps. Learn how to pray. Learn how to start reading the Bible. you got to start somewhere. Our commitment to you is to help you move in your growth of faith. And then connecting to one of our live groups. Do life in community, whether it's online or whether it's in person. Join a serve team. That's how we grow. As we serve and we give of ourselves towards others, God then grows us. It's an, an amazing thing. And then eventually, why not have a personal coach, someone that is a few steps ahead of you, a little more mature than you, who can actually help uh, guide you and help you mature? Is that a good idea? We'll be talking about that in a few more weeks on how you can, get, how you can invest into your own personal growth. But as I wrap up this series on Follow Me, again, it's the invitation that Jesus extended to his disciples, but to us today. And I'm going to bring you all the way to Luke chapter 2. Today I heard, uh, I got a message that uh, some of our sermon notes, links, they, were, they weren't working. So if, you, if you've signed up to receive our sermon uh, notes every Sunday morning, this morning, the first message you got, I guess the link was broken, so we had to send another one out. If you don't get my sermon notes or the sermon notes that we use on Sundays, all you have to do is text CLC notes, that's City Life Church, CLC notes, one word, to the number 97,000. And then, boom, a link will be sent to you, and then everything I'm preaching, and then you can tell, like, oh, my gosh, he's almost done already. It's like, or not, <laughs> or not. Um, but all of my notes, the points, the fill-in-the-blanks, so to speak, will be right there on your device, whether you're in person or watching online. And, uh, and then you can kind of, like, chew on the notes a little bit later as well. But Luke chapter 2, verse 40, it says this. There, so Jesus had just been, had been dedicated into, to God, and then he would, he would go back with mom and dad. He was a baby. He would go back to Nazareth. And it says, there Jesus grew up, maturing in physical strength and increasing in wisdom. And the grace of God rested on him. So again, he had just been dedicated to God, following his Jewish heritage and tradition. And then he would go back to this small community called Nazareth, and he began to grow up. Verse 41, every year during Jesus' childhood, his parents, they traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration. When Jesus was 12, he made the journey with them. 
and they spent several days there participating in the whole celebration. When his parents left for home, Jesus stayed in Jerusalem, but Joseph and Mary were not aware. <laughs> That's a drip right there. It's like you got this, the massive holidays, right? People from all over are coming to like Jerusalem, like the, the epicenter of, of Jewish tradition. They're there to celebrate this specific holiday season. And Jesus, he comes with the family and it's time to go home. And I guess they were just kind of, you know, flowing with the crew and the community. And they're going back to, Naz to, to Nazareth. And like, where is Jesus? He's not with them. So his parents, they, they left for home, but they were not aware that he wasn't with them. Verse 44, they assumed that Jesus was elsewhere in the caravan that was traveling together. After they had already traveled a full day's journey towards home, someone say, oh, snap. I'm like, dude, like CPS would have stepped in already. You know what I'm saying? Like after a full day, they're 12-year-old. It's like, man, like I guess it was just different times. Nowadays, it's like these kids, they can't even cross the street without, you know, like some, some helicopter parent, what are you doing over there, little Johnny? But back in the day, there was a little more freedom. Let me talk to some of the older people here. Y'all remember what our curfew was when we, were, when we were young, when we'd ride our bikes? When the lights go down, when the lights go down in the city, you better be home, right? We had no pagers, we had no cell phones, we had nothing. Anyways, that's a whole other conversation. They assumed that Jesus was elsewhere in the caravan that was traveling together. After they had already traveled a full day's journey towards home, they began searching for him among their friends and relatives. When no one had seen the boy, Mary and Joseph freaked out, and they rushed back to Jerusalem and they searched, uh, and searched for him. After three days of separation, they finally found him, sitting among a group of religious teachers in the temple, asking them questions, listening to their answers. That right there is a key point that we should all observe. He was asking them questions and listening to their answers. Everyone was surprised and impressed that a 12-year-old boy could have such deep understanding and could answer questions with such wisdom. They're like, where did this kid learn all this? And then, you know, his mom like, boy, what are you doing here? They have this whole like interaction, like, don't you know I got to be in my father's house? And like, and then finally, verse 52, as the, the chapter wraps up, it says, and Jesus kept on growing in wisdom, in physical stature, in favor with God, and in favor with others. Did you take all that in? You can unpack this a little bit more in detail later, but notice Jesus kept on growing this life. We keep on growing. He kept on growing in wisdom, in physical stature, in favor with God, and in favor with others. What's intriguing to me is if you were to study the life of Jesus, you hear a lot about his birth, and then you hear a lot about his ministry time when he turned 30. But there's not a whole lot of like stories mentioned in Scripture of stuff like this. This is actually the only time that his adolescence is, is talked about. He's 12 years old. And apparently at the age of 12, he had already learned a lot. You, you might even make the argument and say, well, of course, because Jesus is 100% God and he's 100% man. He already knew everything that he needed to know. That's incorrect, actually. Let me help you with some basic theology right here. Jesus is 100% God and he is 100% human. Check. We get that. We, it's not 50-50. It's 100-100. All right? But when it comes to life... He continued to grow. How did he grow? It's not that he had infinite knowledge. In his deity, in his divinity, he has no limitations. But because he is a 100% human being as well, his knowledge was limited. Are you with me so far? He had to grow and develop in understanding. 
When it came to his character and his spiritual uh, life, he was perfect. He was sinless. He had no faults, no blemishes. His character was flawless. I heard a preacher one time say that Jesus had to repent and ask for it. No, he didn't because he never sinned. He was perfect. But even in that state of perfection, his spirit was still growing. His understanding was still growing. His character was still being developed. And that brings hope to all of us. Why? Because Jesus himself was growing. Therefore, we too must continue to grow. Are you with me so far? Now, again, he didn't have to retract anything. He wasn't birthed into a world like we were where there's the virus of sin. He has no sin in him. Therefore, he doesn't have to undo anything. But he, he did model how you would continue to grow and mature. And that would open a whole nother amazing conversation that we could have, I don't know, a full semester worth of lessons called Basic Doctrine, which hopefully we'll be able, Pastor Isaac, to launch here early 2022 where we can teach you some Bible college courses, learn how to unpack theology. How did this all start? Does that sound like a good idea? We should all keep on growing. But Jesus, Jesus, he was growing. And it says in this case, he grew in four unique areas. And um, the Spirit of God was on him, was with him, and the Spirit of God continued to grow him. It's amazing because when, when you get to Matthew chapter 3, this would be the equivalent of Jewish bar mitzvahs. When a, young, when a young boy in Jewish tradition becomes of age, where he can now represent the family, he can, he can speak on behalf of pops, he's a grown, matured man, validated. They have this part, this bar mitzvah, where like, hey, the father will speak a blessing, and like, son, you represent me now, and you represent the family. Jesus, he, when he came, uh, we find in Matthew chapter 3, he came to his cousin, John the Baptist, to be baptized, that would be the equivalent of the father saying, this is my son right here that I love. Y'all listen up. This is the bar mitzvah right here. He says, this is my son that I love. In him, I'm well pleased. And he was baptized when he came out of the water. The spirit of God came and rested upon him, meaning this was the endorsement of God the father saying, that's my boy right there. And then all of a sudden, the Bible continues to elaborate and tell us all these different stories of his life and his ministry and his teachings, right? But it was a journey of growth. Notice, by the way, Jesus didn't start ministering at the age of 12. He had a lot of understanding. People were impressed with his knowledge. These scholars, these religious leaders, they're like, dang, did you Google all that? Like, how did he learn all this? He was growing. He never stopped growing. Today, I'm going to share a couple examples of how we need to continue to grow and how the burden and the pressure is on us to be proactive in our pursuit of God. Now, a while ago, I was doing a little bit of research, and I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but there's, there's certain parts of our body that never stop growing. A couple are real obvious, like your nails, they, hopefully they continue to grow. Fingernails, toenails. Those of you who have hair, your hair continues to grow. Some of us, it's not as evident any longer, like Pastor Isaac. But... um. When I was younger, I noticed that my, my grandma, she had some big old earlobes. My wife, folks, she's giving me the look. But when Pastor Keys preaches, he says, Catherine's giving me the look. Elena's giving me the look. Like, oh, no, don't say something that's politically incorrect. Hang with me, y'all. Just chill, relax. We good. We good. I don't know if you ever heard this, but that people's noses and their ears never stop growing. Have you heard that before? You've heard it, right? Anybody else hear that before? You've heard that before? Yeah. 
It's like I'd give my grandma a big old hug and her face was always soft because she had extra padding. Come here, grandma. <laughs> Love grandma. The fact is that's untrue. The cartilage actually stops growing at some point. What happens though, I actually, I actually had to go and do some research. Like, why is it it seems like my ears continue to grow? Maybe I got some hair growing on my ears. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just happens. But why is it, do our noses continue to grow? Maybe like Pinocchio? Um, do they continue? They actually don't. The cartilage doesn't continue to grow. What happens scientifically is that your face, my face, our faces, they actually begin to shrink because of something called gravity. <laughs> and it's real. And all of a sudden, our faces start to sag. Maybe you've, you've gone in and got a little stretch thing going on. <laughs> the person's always so happy. The fact is, your ears don't continue to grow. Your nose doesn't continue to grow. And the gravity begins to pull in the skin. And all of a sudden, like, like grandma, like her ears were always the same size. But she just, it felt like it was maybe a little bit larger than it was. But it wasn't. Why am I telling you all this? I don't know. It was funnier when I thought it out in my brain. It wasn't as funny as I'm telling you. And my wife is staring me down saying, what are you doing? <laughs> Moving on. Um, <laughs> when it comes to growth, when it comes to growing, it's funny because, um, yeah, your nose does stop growing and your, ear does, your ears, they do stop growing. But there's a lot of Christians who just like their ears and their nose, they love God, but they stop growing too. And when it comes to spiritual things, whoo, redeem myself on that one. When it comes to spiritual things, you should never stop growing. Whoo, never stop, never stop growing. Is that the song? No, it's not the song. When it comes to spiritual things, it's funny because you can meet somebody who's been, quote unquote, saved for 10 years, but they still act like they're like a new, a new believer. They've been walking with Jesus for maybe a few decades, and yet they... They don't know a whole lot. Why? Because they haven't been proactively pursuing growth. They know about God, but they don't know God intimately. That's why they question whether they're saved or not every left turn. Every few weeks, like, I don't know if I'm saved or not. Should I repent again? And it's like, why does that happen? Now, when I was in first grade, I used to, I don't know, maybe you can relate to this. I gave my life to Jesus. I heard the preacher preach, and I felt God just kind of like reaching down, grabbing my heart, like, God, I surrender to you. I want to serve you because I don't want to go to hell. And I, it's true, real talk. And uh, so I repented. I invited Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And then a couple of Sundays later, I felt like I needed to do it again. And then again. And again. I'm like, man, if Jesus were to come back right now, I know I'd go straight to hell because I've been sinning a lot. This is a first grader. Some of you are like, oh, snap, he's talking about me too. Like, yes, I am. How do I grow? And it wasn't until hey, I came to a realization where then dad began to teach me, like, no, when you've given your life to Jesus, now the building begins. He begins to build you. He begins to grow you. You should become water baptized. Seal the deal with water baptism. I'm like, okay. And that's part of our growth. As we surrender to God, he begins to grow us. And it's a work in progress. If you were to get some ink on your flesh, meaning you got a tattoo, you could just say under construction because it's work in progress. God is always working in us and on us. Let me talk to you about how Jesus grew. From this passage right here, we see the example of how Jesus grew in four areas. He grew mentally. That means in wisdom and understanding, comprehension. It's like though he was perfect in his humanity, perfect in his divinity, he continued to grow. The Bible specifically says that he grew in wisdom. He didn't have all wisdom, but he grew in it. It says, number two, he grew in stature. That means he physically grew, physically grew. 
Number three, he grew spiritually. Why? Because he grew in favor with God. Your spirit, man, continues to grow. Your spirit also needs to be nurtured. You need to infill your spirit, man, with the word of God, spending time in the presence of God. Your spirit can become actually sick and unhealthy. Think about that. But Jesus, he continued to grow in favor with God. This speaks of spiritual maturity. Number four, he grew uh, uh, in favor with others, which means that he grew socially. He grew in, in, in the ability to influence others. It doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. We all are called to have influence on people around us. Come on, somebody. Whether it's oral, verbal, or whether it's written, we are called to influence one another, whether it's through action, indeed, or spoken word. Either way, we are called to help one another. We have that burden, and we need to grow in that. Another tragedy is if God's done incredible things in your life, a testimony is telling others what he's done in you. When you hoard that testimony, when, he, when he's done something beautiful in your life and you don't share it with others, you're doing them a disservice, but you're also doing yourself a disservice. You are called to be light in this world. You're called to be salt that brings seasoning and flavor. Am I preaching to somebody? So Jesus model here through the scripture how we, he, he would grow in these four different areas. We're called to grow in these four different areas. Here, here's a if you will, a model example for us that I, I get from this passage here. Jesus, three thoughts very quickly. Jesus had a place to grow. He had a people to grow, and he had a process to grow. Let me say that again. Jesus, he had a place to grow. In this particular context, in Luke chapter 2, in this case, he was at the temple. He already had a lot of knowledge and understanding, but even there, he's listening and he's asking great questions. He is growing. Others were listening to him as he would articulate and explain certain things. They were like, wow, they were learning from a young 12-year-old. By the way, if you're older and you're like, I can't listen to younger people because they haven't lived enough, you're just being a fool. Because God will use all kinds of unlikely characters, including our own children, to teach us important things. Some of the most valuable life lessons that I've ever learned came from my own kids. So don't dismiss how God will, will want to grow you. He wants to grow you. Just be open. Come on, somebody. That's a freebie right there. So Jesus had a place to grow. Jesus had a people to grow. He grew with them. He grew from them, and he helped grow them as well. These, in this case, it was these religious teachers. They loved the law. They loved the things of God, and they were sharing and exploring. That's why I encourage you, don't do life alone. Life and community is better. It's more fulfilling. You will benefit, and those around you will benefit. Amen, somebody? Finally, Jesus, he had a process to grow. It doesn't just happen by osmosis. Your spiritual development information doesn't just come from you coming to church, checking your fantasy football scores right now, texting a friend, what are we going to do for lunch, or going on IG and finding out what are people posting on their stories right now. It won't, spiritual growth won't happen while you're just in the building. There needs to be a proactive longing from within you to say, I need to grow. I want to grow. I want to become more and more like Jesus. And in his case, the recipe for him was this. He would ask great questions, and then he would listen. My dad would say, and speaking of ears, or ears and noses, does that, does that even make sense? Ears, plural, nose, one. We only have one nose, yes. My dad used to say, John, John, God gave you two ears and one mouth. Why do you think that is? And then the idea was, you should listen twice as much as you talk, boy, because you can talk. Dad, if you're watching, I love you. Thank you for all the admonition, correction, guidance. You're amazing. But he would say, talk less and listen more. Talk less 
and listen more. Some of us are so busy talking, whether orally, verbally, or just like just busy doing stuff. Slow down. Take the chill pill. Relax a little bit. Listen to what God is speaking to you through others. Did you know that in your prayer time, you don't have to do all the talking? Ooh, that's going to bless somebody right here. Because some of you are thinking that, oh, my gosh, in order for me to have a quality prayer time, I have to pray for at least an hour. No, you can actually be still and know that he is God, Psalms 46.10 says. In your prayer time, in your devotion, you can focus on God and you can listen to what he's saying. As my, my crew is helping me with some lights, we're gonna, I, I hate preaching into the dark cave. You know what I'm saying? So our, our production team, if you can give me some lights so I can see people in the nosebleed section. Adam, I see, is closer to the front. His fro is amazing. There you are, my man. But when it comes, when it comes to life, God is constantly speaking to us. Yesterday, I went to go do an event, and it was a wedding celebration. Thank you, team. You're amazing. The wedding celebration, as I'm there, as I'm getting there, the Lord drops a verse in my heart. I hadn't planned it. I didn't get up in the morning praying. But as I was kind of just kind of driving my car, just kind of thinking on God and thinking about this, this, this wedding ceremony, God dropped this verse in my heart. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. God is a good God, and he's got gifts for all of us. So at this wedding ceremony, I'm, 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 I'm talking. I'm getting ready to pray for them, and I just said, you know what? I just, today I was just pondering on this verse that says that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. And, and then I exhorted the couple that was getting married. I said, I believe that you're a gift from God to him, and sir, you're a gift from God to her, and the two of you are a gift to all of us that love you. And, and it was just kind of like this unique little exhortation. It wasn't scripted. It wasn't planned. Later, when we're having food and we're enjoying a good time, all of a sudden they show a presentation, and the title for the presentation is A Gift from Heaven. I'm like, oh my goodness. And then later on, a new gift from above. I, I didn't know this. I didn't talk to the production people. But all of a sudden, just as I'm chewing my own like meal right there, I just think to myself, Holy Spirit, you're the man. You're amazing. You're, you're talking to me. You're communicating with me. You're dropping these thoughts that are going to be such a blessing to them. And then I feel blessed to just be included. Yeah. Your prayer life should be like that, where you do some talking, but you do a lot of listening. Jesus, he grew because he listened. He asked great questions. What are the questions that you've been asking God lately? What are the things that you're asking? Are they good questions? Are they only self-serving kind of questions? God, when are you going to send me, send me my future spouse? Bruh, you're already married. Stop asking that question. <laughs> That's cold. That's cold. That thought didn't come from God. I'm just telling you. What is it that you're asking God? That's, that's the recipe there. Jesus was brilliant, and he continued to ask great questions, and he listened. Here's a big thought for today, the big idea. Life is a school, but growth is optional. When it comes to this journey, it's a school. Some of us would call it the school of hard knocks. You might have graduated with a bachelor's degree, a master's. You might even have a Ph.D., but all of us are still in school. Come on, somebody. We are all learning from glory to glory, whether you live in Pacifica or whether you live in Pack Heights, whether you live in the East Bay or Daly City. We are all growing, whether you're in Arizona or shout out to the Philippines, Roel and Veronica, we love you. Shout out to the East Coast, those of you tuning in right now from Florida. God loves you as well. Wherever we're at, we're all in this school of life. God is growing us. So let's talk about this building project. I want to bring us all the way back to that very first verse that we kicked off this series with when Jesus came to those disciples that were fishing. And he says, hey, fellas, 
follow me. And I will make you disciples, or excuse me, I will make you fishers of men. I want to focus on seven words from that initial invitation where he says, follow me and I will make you. I will make you. As we explore this topic right here, the word make you in the Greek comes from this collection of words that basically means I will make or manufacture or construct or build you. If you follow me, this is what Jesus is saying. If you drop everything you're doing, you trust me, and you follow me, I will personally handcraft you, tailor-make you into the individual that I have purposed and seen from the foundations of the earth for you to be. If you will follow me, if you will trust me, I will build you. Now, some of you are like, uh, you're kind of quiet in here today. Let me, let me kind of explain it in a different way. When we choose to say yes to the invitation, when he says, follow me, he says, all right, I'm not going to just offset you and delegate you to some third party that's going to develop you and you're going to become a cookie cutter Christian like everybody else. When we become followers of Jesus by the Holy Spirit, he personally begins to build us. And in our case, rebuild us because we're all jacked up. The world has been building us. Circumstances around us and our upbringing has been building us. A lot of that needs to be undone. Jesus comes and says, when you follow me, I will help you. And more than that, I will build you to be the original masterpiece that I purpose for you to be. You don't have to just coexist and get through life with your dysfunctions. I will build you. And there's a few things that Jesus said that he would build. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. Jesus is building his church and he's building his disciples. As you let go and you let God, as you follow him, he personally comes alongside and he begins to shape you and mold you, taking some things out of you that didn't need to be there. Your scars, your bruises, and life happens and we have our pain. Jesus comes to heal, but then he builds with that. And he continues to shape us to become more and more like him. I don't want to just be John John. I want to be like Jesus. John, John is like, I can do a little good here and there. I want to be like Jesus, though. So when he extends the invitation, he says, follow me and I will make you. Let me give you three areas that he's working in all of our lives. These are easy for me to remember. I'm a simple guy. All three words start with the letter, letter H. Head, heart, and hands. Head, heart, and hands. What do they signify? What do they mean? Speaking of our head, it's, <laughs> my head is growing. I'm becoming so full of pride. Pastor Isaac set me up during the pregame today, and I felt convicted during worship. Lord, forgive me, because he asked me, are you number one in the fantasy football league here at City Life Church? And then I responded, well, someone's got to be number one. It might as well be me. <laughs> and it was just kind of guy talking, whatever, and then like, oh, my gosh, that was just so arrogant. So those of you who watched online and you heard that, please forgive Pastor Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> So we don't want our heads to become inflated in the sense of pride, but when, it, when, when we talk about understanding, when we talk about maturity, wisdom, we need to continue to grow. If Jesus grew in wisdom, we should be growing in wisdom as well. That's why the prayer that we should ask for is, God, we want the mind of Christ. Yes. Not just my thinking, not carnal thinking, worldly thinking. I want the mind of Christ. I don't want the information that the world has to offer only. There, there's, there's good information around us, but we don't need to accumulate just information. We need knowledge and wisdom that comes from God. We need the mind of Christ. So your head, your heart, your heart speaks of your character, your motives, your motivations. 
God, we want our hearts to grow, a heart of compassion. We want to care for people like you care. God, my heart left to myself, it would be selfish, self-centered. Left to myself, it's like, how can I benefit more? But when we have a heart transformation and God begins to grow our heart, all of a sudden he, he taps into new chambers that are there and he gives us his heart for others. And we grow and we mature. Listen, I've used the, the example before. When Elaine and I, when God gave us our first daughter, Erica, and then all of a sudden Juliana came around, uh, 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 Elena's pregnant with Juliana. We didn't have to borrow some love from Eric in order to start loving this other little cute thing. God just opened a brand new chamber in our hearts. And then it would happen a couple more times. Jaden and Ethan. It's like, man, we don't have to share the love. There's equal love for all of them. Erica would like to remind me, though, that God or Dad, you've loved me the longest. <laughs> True. But when it comes to our hearts, God wants to continue to grow our hearts. We never reach the limit. You never reach full potential, full capacity. It's always growing more and more and more and more. Amen, somebody? A love for God and a love for people. Number three would be our hands. Hands in the, in, in the Bible speak of what we do. It's our calling. It's more than activities, but it's your life purpose. What is your life purpose? How are you called to influence other people? How, how are you called to impact other people? We need the power of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. Amen, somebody? That's why even this weekend when we have this freedom retreat, more than just getting cleaned up and washed up from the icky stuff from yesterday, we also want to be empowered to be all that God's called us to be. So we need the mind of Christ, we need the fruit of the Spirit in our hearts, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit upon our hands, upon our activities, and everything that we do. When you read the very first chapter in the Bible, which is Genesis chapter 1, there's a fascinating portion of that chapter when it says in verse 26, God talking to himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he says, let us make man in our image. He says, make, make man in our own image and likeness. But I want you to notice again the choice of words. He said, let us what? Let us what? Let us make. Same concept again. Let us build, manufacture, grow, construct. Let us put together man in our own image. When it comes to growing, when it comes to development, it started from the very beginning. From Genesis chapter 1, God continues to build. Sin came into this world and screwed things up, so Jesus had to come and do the ultimate extreme remodel, the extreme makeover. We had to, he had to undo a few things or a bunch of things in order for him to build us again. God is at work in our lives. He wants to make you. He wants to build you. He wants to grow you. The question is, do you want to grow? I like to say that the, the project started in the garden. There are a few delays, but it resumed in the garden again. Because Jesus, right before he was crucified, he had already invited people to follow him. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. But then he finds himself just hours before he'd be crucified, praying to the Father in a garden. And as he's praying, all of a sudden, the sins and the curse of this world were brought before him. And he's talking to the Father very, very intimately, very personally. He's like, Father, if there would be any other way, if there's any other alternative, take this cup from me. But then he goes on to say, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. At that moment at the garden, the sins of humanity, both past, present, and future, billions of people, the sins of all of us, were passed on to him. And he partook of that cup. The only way that you can experience 
Jesus building you and growing you is if you surrender fully to him. Take, as he takes those things off of you that you, you weren't designed to carry, like you're carrying this backpack of shame and guilt and pressure, as you surrender your life to him, he says, I got that. Cast your cares upon him. Those weighty things, cast it, throw them at him. He'll carry, and then as he takes that off of you, then he begins to remodel, rebuild, reconstruct, and he continues to grow you. And then it doesn't stop at a Sunday morning service. It continues for the rest of your life. The closing scripture, which is probably one of my absolute favorite scriptures in all of scripture, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the what? The perfecter of our faith. Another version says, the author and the finisher. If he started a remodel project, he will finish. He who began a good work, Paul said, he is faithful to complete it. Someone, someone got to get this in their spirit today. God's not done with you yet. I don't know what your church experiences have been or what your journey of faith has looked like up until this point, but I, can I tell you, God is not done with you yet. He is faithful. He wants to fulfill his plans in and through your life. He wants to make you to be that son or the daughter that he's designed you to be. He will make you if you respond and you follow him. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet because I want to pray for us today. In your sermon notes, if you want to check it out later, there's always action steps. What do I got to do with all this? I heard this. God was speaking to me. What do I do? The three thoughts would be this. Ask yourself, am I growing? Number two, why or why not? Why, why am I not growing? Number three, what am I going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Did you tune in online today just to kind of feel a little good about yourself and kind of like check off the little God box? Hey, I did my church thing. Can't wait to watch the second half of the Niners game. What are you going to do about this pursuit of God to become more and more like Jesus? What are you willing to, to pay? How far are you willing to go? Are you just going to coast through life and kisera, sirrah, whatever will be, will be? What's your attitude in all of this? fact is, Jesus wants to make you. He wants to build you. He wants to grow you. Will you follow? I want to take this moment and just kind of pause for a second here. And without a whole lot of talking or anything, I just want you to ponder. You can close your eyes unless you're watching online and you're driving. Keep your eyes open. <laughs> Where are you at? If you go to the mall, sometimes there's that little info kiosk and there's like the layout of the mall and there's like a little red dot usually that says, you are here. In your journey of becoming more and more like Jesus, where are you at? you are and how much you love us and you care about us. God, even when we screw up, you continue to pursue us, pursue us with an everlasting love. You're so amazing, God. We don't deserve your love. We don't deserve your grace. We most definitely don't deserve your patience. You're always patient, God. So amazing. 
God, today again, we recognize that we need more of you. We want to grow and become more and more like Jesus. As John said, less of us, more of you. We want to decrease, God, that you might increase in us. But God, I thank you that your ways, Lord, they're good, they're perfect. It's the goodness of God that draws man to repentance. God, it's your goodness that causes us to turn to you. So God, thank you for your faithfulness thus far. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for reaching down and pulling us out of that place where we were stuck. We don't want to hijack the wheel, God. We want to, we want to allow you to drive our lives. Jesus, I thank you that you are the master architect, the head engineer. You're the ultimate general contractor. You're building us by your Holy Spirit. And you're not done with us yet. God, I thank you that even today, faith is being released into each heart. Hallelujah. Yesterdays are behind us. Today is a new day. God, I thank you that we get to move forward. We, need, we, we get to grow in you. So we cast our cares upon you, our worries, our frustrations, our pain, our disappointments. We throw all those things at your feet and we say, God, have your way. Can you do something? Would you raise your hands all throughout the auditorium as an act of surrender, saying, God, I'm surrendering fully to you. God, right now, we cast our cares upon you, Lord, because you care for us. God, you see each hand, you see each heart, you know each name, you know our stories, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know everything about us. God, I pray, Lord, that even today as we're surrendering to you, Lord, God, we pray that you would continue that work in our lives. We don't want to be self-made individuals. We want to be made by your hands, crafted by God himself. So God, I pray even right now, let fresh grace be released into each heart, into each mind, into each life. I speak the blessings of God over the people of God, both in person and those watching online. Let the grace of God find each one now in the name of Jesus. You can bring your hands down. I want to say this. Some of you came to church today. You don't need just to pick me up. You don't need to pick me up. You need a transformation. He does come to pick us up. Praise God for that. But some of you, it's not about to pick me up. You need God to transform your heart. You need God to transform your mind. You need God to just kind of like press the reset button. But my God, his grace is sufficient for you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He's pursuing you today, my brother, my sister. He says he's not done with you yet. The enemy comes to whisper all these thoughts that are contrary to the will of God. But God's love for you is everlasting. He continues to chase you down today. Someone needs to hear that. Someone needs to hear that today. God is pursuing you. You are important to him. So God, right now, you know each heart, you know each story, you know everything that's going on. God, I pray right now that you would break off these voices of condemnation, that you would, you would silence the voices of confusion, the bombardment from hell. God, you're not, you haven't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I pray for soundness of mind, clarity of heart and purpose over each one here today in the mighty and in the powerful name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. You may be seated. Those of you watching online, if today's a day that you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you, click the link that Pastor Lamy is going to post. Say, you know what? I want to follow Jesus. Our team, they're going to, they're going to um, help you take your next steps. And if you made that decision today here in the building, I want to encourage you, scan the QR code in front of you saying, I made a decision, either a recommitment 
or a brand new first time commitment to surrender my life to him scan that code sneak by the connection center we have a gift for you there and that we're going to help you take your next steps church family we love you wednesday night we'll be back for pursue prayer pastor elena come and wrap things up god bless you guys